and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of pure frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too, collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory networks. You know what? Hello and welcome to the Sensory Matters podcast. You've got Lorraine here today with Joel. Hi. We haven't got Jenny again because, as a lot of you will know, we've just moved our warehouse back to Dundee and Jenny is trying to help get that sorted, so she is super busy at the moment. Uh, today we're going to talk about autism awareness. Whoa. We've got, um, coming up in the next few weeks, it's Autism Awareness Week and Autism Awareness Day and Autism Awareness Month. So we've got a few podcasts planned about autism awareness, acceptance and knowledge, and we're going to go over quite a few things, hopefully, that will be quite helpful and interesting to listen to. So where should we start, Joel? Uh, you've got a bunch of stuff you want to talk about, so you start, yeah. and let's see how we go. Well, I just think that a lot of people think we should move away from autism awareness to autism acceptance. And whilst I completely agree we need autism acceptance, I still think there's a lot to be done around autism awareness. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think awareness is basically knowledge. And although a lot of people know that autism exists now, is that enough knowledge of autism? Also, what like what is autism acceptance? And how is it different to autism awareness in terms of semantics? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I see acceptance as in I'm a valid person the same as everybody else. That's how I see acceptance. But surely that goes... I think the thing is, I think the problem people have is they try to split the three while they're kind of all intertwined. They're all like a Venn diagram. And where you want to meet is in the middle of all three. Yeah, well, that's why, because I think awareness is knowledge. And we're going to talk in a couple of weeks about autism knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, it all ties in together. There's awareness, there's acceptance, and there's knowledge, and, and they all come together, don't they? Yeah, I think what I think a good way to look at it might be if autism awareness is the base, okay, autism exists, there are autistic people, then autism acceptance is um, like the quiet hours in the supermarkets or whatever. So it's the beginning. Yeah. And autism knowledge is, okay, that's a good start, but we get autistic people's input and then society adapts completely because they have the knowledge of autism. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if that makes sense, but that might be a good way of looking at it, is all three. You have to keep doing all three. You can't move away from one. No, and I think as well, Autism Awareness Day, Autism Awareness Week and Autism Awareness Month all started from a very good place. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there wasn't much awareness, so it's quite rightly called Autism Awareness. So I understand people want acceptance and they sometimes question why is it called awareness, but I'm going to go back to when Jamie was a lot younger. Jamie's 16 now. When I first found out that Jamie was autistic or possibly autistic, I didn't know about 99% of the things I know now 
I didn't know that people didn't, well, actually people didn't dislike the puzzle piece back then. So this is the thing, everything evolves. So now a lot of people don't like the puzzle piece because they think it's saying that our children are a puzzle. But 15 years ago, that was the only picture that there was regarding autism. Yeah. We just automatically took that as that was the logo for autism. Um, There's a lot of things I see people talking about now. And I think, well, years and years ago, that was never, ever discussed because it you just had what you were given. Mm-hmm. Also, I think as well, one thing that I want to say is if you stop autism awareness, autism acceptance will fail. You need both. You need to keep fighting for the three things at the same time alongside each other in parallel. Yeah. See, when it comes to awareness, like I was just saying before, it's knowledge. And I yeah. think if you look at it as in, are people knowledgeable about autism? Yeah. Now, people know that autism exists. That's become that they've become much more aware. I can't think of many people that wouldn't know what autism is, or at least know that it exists. Yeah. They may yeah. not know what it is or what it means, but surely Going... everybody knows that there's autistic people in the world. Yeah. Going to your second point, yeah. I think the I think the difference is back then. How am I going to phrase this so it doesn't cause too much controversy? Um, Okay, I'm just going to say, back then, autistic people probably weren't seen as, inverted commas, productive members of society. So they weren't the... Carry on, sorry. No, I was going to say, and I think this is where it's brilliant that the autistic adult community are coming in now and speaking up. Yeah. Now, you have autistic adults... And autistic young people, because I'm going to give a shout out to them because they don't really get that much um, awareness for the um, advocacy they do, going, this is our space, we own it, this is what we want. Yeah. And like you said, back then you you got what you were given, but it was mostly the parents who got what they were given, or the teachers... Or whatever and it, i think it's yeah. quite good that autistic voices are now in the narrative of autism yeah 15 years ago the only autistic voice that i knew of was temple grandin yeah that was that was the only one um and so you have to evolve and you have to learn and so i think that's where like you say acceptance awareness and knowledge all go together yeah i think as well different people have different roles to play in that yeah, and everybody thinks differently as well. Like, there's the first-person language, and some people like first-person language, and some people don't. Everybody is so different, and I think it's about being aware that people are allowed their own choices. Mm-hmm. But I think as well, like, it's fine for corporations, in inverted commas, NGOs, and advocacy groups to do the autism awareness. It's up to autistic people to do the to fight for the knowledge part and it's the job of everyone else to have the acceptance part yeah because for knowledge you need to listen to autistic people and i think the point is with like diagnosis and and all the medical professionals they they come up with all these things but they really need to take into account more autistic voices mm-hmm. but um i'm going to go back to awareness a little bit just because this this one's more about awareness I don't think the knowledge is there about autism. I don't think there's enough awareness still. 
although I know people want to move on to acceptance, I think the awareness still needs a lot of work because if awareness was where we need it to be, there wouldn't be so many misdiagnoses and there wouldn't be so many children struggling in schools. But then again, this is me being controversial again, we don't live in an autistic world. Like, people... So, for example, you might be... I'm going to use the example of epilepsy because it's the first one that came to my mind. You might be fully aware of epilepsy, and if someone is having an epileptic shock on the floor, beforehand you might know what you need to do. In that moment, you might not. Mm -hmm. I think with teachers and stuff that's the same sort of thing that happens in schools in the heat of the moment a teacher might not know how to react and might react badly and that's completely on them yeah that is true but a lot of what i hear because i i chat a lot to the community and a lot of what i hear is that schools just don't understand enough Mm mm-hmm um, and not just schools, me- medical professionals as well. Yeah, medical and professionals. That's where, I think, that's where I think that we still need to push further f- for awareness. And should, should, should uh, can't get my words out, should some people know more? Should some people be more aware than others? And I think that that's a yes as well, because everybody should have a basic knowledge of, of autism because there are autistic people in the world. But teachers, medical professionals, emergency services those kind of people, they need a a larger knowledge and a larger awareness. I agree. And is it because there aren't autistic people in mass in those spaces? The schools that get it right, is it because there's autistic adults in that school and therefore they have the autistic experience? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because I'm listening to a book at the moment. Um, Let me just find out what it's called because I don't have a very good memory. It's Our Autistic Lives and it's personal accounts from autistic adults around the world. And so far, I've already listened to an account from a police officer and an account from a teacher. So there are autistic professionals out there, but I think there's also the issue that they don't want to disclose that they're autistic. Mm -hmm. But also... like there needs to be one in every single gp surgery for example for this to work if you think about carry on i think every GP surgery needs training on autism yeah but they need it from this is what i mean they need it from autistic adults not from not from an ngo that talks about autism that doesn't have an autistic person in there yeah so there's a group in my area in cumbria and it's called the triple a project and it's a fantastic uh, group, and it's autistic people. And what they did was they developed a training video many years ago for the police. Mm-hmm. And more recently, uh, me and my husband went to the grand reveal of, I think it was last year, of the one for the NHS. So they've made a video for the NHS, and it's fantastic. And it just goes through lots of different scenarios of autistic people going into NHS um, places like the, the GP surgery, the hospital, and it just gives scenarios of what happens and what you can do to make the experience better for them. I'll have to find that video so that we can link it because it's a, it's a great video. Yeah. Also, do you think about, um, do you remember an atypical? Yeah. Um, do you remember 
in the last season when the thing on the bus happened. Where he had the meltdown on the bus. And then his dad started that organisation. Oh, yes. Was it, what, no, what, was it on the bus or was it with a police officer? I forget. I can't remember the bit on the bus, but then I can't remember the no, name. No, no, it was probably, I think it was the police officer. I think he got arrested. And they started yeah. going to uh, police stations and talking about autism and stuff. And I yeah. think until something like that happens, everywhere, we won't get to the point where we need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you imagine a police officer is um, trying to talk to somebody and that person's autistic and they go non-verbal, in the moment that police officer is thinking, that person's ignorant, they're ignoring me. I'm mm-hmm. an officer of the law and they should answer my questions. And that person's there and they're just shutting down inside. Yeah. So without the, the knowledge and the awareness of autism, that policeman's got no chance and that situation's gone to evolve into some awful situation. I think the other problem is is the fact that um, autism's inverted commas a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So again, you can have someone like me talking about it to healthcare professionals, but then like you also need the person who's the complete opposite of me and their experience. Yeah. Also, I came up with a really good way to describe the spectrum rather than the spectrum and rather than high functioning and low functioning. Go on then. So imagine a colour wheel with all the different colours and all the different shades. You know how I mean? Yeah. Every At any one time, an autistic person can be any number of those shades make a unique colour. Mm-hmm. So they might be dark blue, and dark blue for them is um, mild autism. Or they might be dark pink, bright pink, and bright pink for them would be the other side of the spectrum. Do you know what I mean? I get what you mean. I... So, so it's every day, because you move back and forth through it, and it's not linear. It just adds loads of different ways of looking at it. Yeah, and I think there's a really good meme that it's um, about. I I don't. Is it? I don't have. I'm not mildly autistic. You experience my autism mildly yeah. because of ha- how I'm dealing with it that day or something. Yeah. I can't think of the exact words, but yeah, I think it, it's just it is just such a big spectrum and. There's so many different variations. And I was thinking yesterday, I went completely non-verbal last night. Mm-hmm. I just had no words because yesterday we had the annual um, education healthcare plan meeting. I had to be a real adult. I wore clothes. To- <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm quite a chav. I like my, my comfy clothes. But yeah, you messaged it- me going, oh, I wore adult clothes today. Yeah, it was horrible. So I wore adult clothes, adult shoes. I'm, I did my hair as an adult and it just felt wrong. Um, so the whole day I was just battling through to be somebody that I wasn't. And I probably didn't need to be that person. But in my head, I think if I'm going into school, I need to be a real parent. And so I play the part of a real parent and it's so uncomfortable and so stressful and tiring. So by the end of the day, I just didn't have any words left. Yeah. And so I was completely nonverbal. And I think people would look at me and say, oh, you know, you're, you're intelligent, you can talk, 
blah 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 but I can go non-verbal but then I see it from the other side of people that are non-verbal they don't ever become verbal yeah does that make sense yeah yeah I don't know if I'm explaining it right it's in my head I think about it a lot about how I can be such a variation but there's some variations that that mean that I can be verbal and I can explain how I'm feeling yeah I think going back to the thing about the doctors, because we've got sidetracked again, it's important. So, let's say if you wanted to teach your GP surgery about autistic people like Jamie, mm-hmm. it's important for them. Imagine going in and their training is Jamie in the room and then doing their normal thing and Jamie reacting. And that way they have first-hand experience of this is how someone like Jamie reacts. Then you get get someone like you. I get that, but as a parent, I would never put Jamie in that situation. No, I know, but for example, not Jamie, but like 20, 25-year-old autistic people. Yeah, but like I said, the AAA project that did this video, that is basically what they did. They used autistic people as the actors and they simulized these experiences and made a video of it. But I think it's as well it's for some people they work better if they can like see it firsthand as well. Yeah. So like Yeah, definitely. If someone for example, I don't know, I don't like needles, but if someone if they were gonna try and inject me and I had a meltdown, that's more effective than them seeing a video of someone trying to put a needle with me and me having a meltdown. Because I can go because if I can simulate what a meltdown sort of is like, then I can go, this is how I would react. Stop. This is what you do so to help So you're not making me. yourself have a meltdown. You're not physically going to put yourself through that. I'm not, but I can go... I can sort of, like, simulise it. You know what I mean? I can sort of yeah. simulise, okay, if I rock, then I start rocking. Mm-hmm. If I scream, then I'll start screaming. But I can stop and go, this is how I might react. This is a meltdown. To help me, you would have to do these things. See, I just think general training, because all GPs have a training afternoon once a month. I think general training on autism awareness, because it's not even autism. A lot of people struggle in places like GP surgeries. And I think if somebody is reacting inappropriately to a way that they should, then there's obviously an issue. So if somebody is acting inappropriately in a waiting room, then offering them a quiet place to sit, it's just a no-brainer. Yeah. But um, I think we should take a break. Yeah. And then we maybe should come back and talk about what you um, had mentioned about changes. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right, let's take a break. If you're looking for the perfect thing to chew and stim, check out the Bermuda Bangle squeezable, twistable and chewable. This is a great one for nail biters to wear over your knuckles and redirect. Available in an amazing variety of colours with a gloss style finish. This bangle is durable, firm and flexible. Available from our website chewygem.co.uk. Now back to the podcast. Right, welcome back. We've just had a break. We were talking about autism awareness and how awareness, acceptance and knowledge all come together. We've got future podcasts coming up about 
acceptance, future podcasts about knowledge. And we were going to have a chat about something that Joel had mentioned to me about changes in life. Yeah, so I don't have the answer to this, but it was something that I thought about last night. So, you know how you'll have had this with Jamie. So, she'll like, she'll have a favourite brand and the brand will change its branding and she won't eat it anymore, right? Yeah. So, I see a lot of comments of, oh, brand shouldn't do that. Brand shouldn't rebrand, blah, blah, blah. Which is true in an ideal world, but we live in a world where changing branding means that people will buy it again because it's new. Yeah, and it's a tough one because I can give you the most recent example of where we've had problems with packaging. Uh, Jamie eats Walker's Ready Salted Crisps and they're the same packaging all the year through apart from summer and Christmas. So the Christmas has been the most recent where Mariah Carey is on the front of the crisps and Jamie's like, why the hell is this woman on the front of my crisps? I can't eat them. <laughs> and it, it's like, right, they still taste the same. Apparently they don't. Apparently they don't taste the same, which, you know, maybe they don't. I don't know. But the point is, it's Christmas, and brands have to market. Yeah. You so, know, I, I understand that Jamie wants the other crisp packets, and that's absolutely fine, but at the end of the day, walkers have got to do Christmas marketing. Also, so rather than... And this brings up an interesting conversation about change and transitions and autistic people as a whole, particularly autistic kids. I'm talking to the parents here. I know that most parents try to shield their autistic children from changes, but that's quite a dangerous thing to do and change is inevitable. So I think we should talk about, and we can use the crisps as an example, because that's actually quite a good and easy example to use. How do you, one, prepare your child for that change, and two, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Minimise the fallout of that change. Ooh, that's a tough one because I'm thinking years ago when Jamie was little and the crisp packets changed, that would have been full-on meltdown mode. Where as Jamie's got older and more understanding and aware of herself and things that go on, it was a quite an easy conversation this time. Okay. Um, so... I mean, I, I've, I've done things where I've taken products out of old uh, out of new packaging and put it into old packaging to minimise. Does it work though, or can she taste the difference? Um, it depends. It really depends. Because I mean, the other option is. Which is a tangible option because there'll still be change because you'll still see it in the shops. Is you know Christmas coming up, so in November, buy five massive packs of ready salted crisp or whatever she likes with yeah. the old packaging, mm-hmm. because then she still sees the new packaging when she's out, but she doesn't have to deal with it in her personal life. Yeah, I mean Jamie doesn't go to shops, so actually Jamie doesn't see the crisp. But I do as the orders because I don't like shopping. Yeah. So I do it as the order where if I was prepared, I would go to somewhere like B&M or Home Bargains because their crisps don't change. Yeah. Um, their crisps tend to, to be the same. So really what I should stop doing is when I know the crisps are at that point where they're going to change, either bulk buy beforehand or go to a different shop. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I just get, get on and do my usual order and then it comes with Mariah Carey's face and I'm like, no. 
see the issue is as well with some with some brands you don't know they've changed until they've changed and that's that's the main problem there's nothing really that you can do about that apart from putting stuff in another packet but yeah and i think it's different when it's a change in packaging but when it's a change in ingredients yeah that's the whole of a story because the sugar tax yeah i'm pretty sure that chocolate has changed i used to love maltesers and now i hate them well i don't eat the chocolate that everyone else eats so <laughs> i feel like chocolate's changed and it's got to be something to do with all the sugar tax probably um but yeah i think as well like you can't stop transitions like you can't stop the christmas lights coming out you can't really stop halloween happening mm-hmm. like i mean you can do what you do with jamie which i completely agree with which is as soon as school stops being schools stop them going to school because it's dumb but like the way that schools react to christmas and you and easter and all that stuff is stupid yeah like you're in school for school not for dressing up like a bunny or whatever you do <laughs> i don't i think jamie likes to dress up no but, but you think... know what i mean the whole change of routine and stuff yeah but i think but... i think you've got a good point on like the packaging with the food and i am one of those parents that i will do anything to avoid meltdowns and so I do above and beyond above and beyond what I should. And actually what I should be doing is preparing Jamie for these changes. Because the you issue know, what is... I have, what I have said to Jamie recently, because Jamie has such a restricted diet, yeah. I've said, you, you've been in a situation before where Bernard Matthews, has, uh, used to love uh, Bernard Matthews made footballers yeah. know, at the dinosaurs. And they stopped doing those. I said, at some point, dinosaurs might stop because I've noticed unicorns in the shops. Yeah. And unicorns taste different to dinosaurs, apparently. We have tried them. I think there's minions, but Jamie don't like the faces on those. Um, but what I'm trying to say to Jamie is you, you need to think about expanding your diet, and I know it's very, very difficult to do. Yeah. But if you've got such a restricted diet and these foods disappear, you've got nothing. But also... If Jamie was to live by herself, she'd then have to deal with those changes by herself. Yes. If she went to the shop and the packaging changed, she'd then have to deal with that in the shop. Well, do you know what? Changes in packaging... I'm just thinking about myself going shopping. Changes in packaging confuse me. When I do my shopping, I know where I'm going and what I'm getting. So if I saw a pack that was different, I'd be confused and I maybe wouldn't even buy that product. Yeah. It would take me a while. I'll probably take pictures and send it to my husband and say, I'm not sure if this is right. See, I always go for like the, I used to go for the Asda own brand and stuff and that never changed. So I would never have this problem. I'd just go for all the cheap stuff. Yeah. See, I don't mind a lot of cheap stuff. Jamie is very branded. Joe is very branded. But yeah, I think... The issue is if you don't prepare them for transitions and changes in <coughs> stuff that they can't control in childhood, then they're going to have to deal with it as a teen and an adult by themselves. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's social stories or whether it's 
exposure therapy in inverted commas. Like, you, technically, you could get your child, start getting your child ready for the idea of Christmas a month before. So then yeah, when the lights come, that, that yeah. doesn't affect them so much. Exposure therapy is a really good one as well. That's what we do. Well, I call it more sensory integration, but I suppose it's exposure therapy. We did that with, with Jamie with sound. Yeah. Um, we started off where Jamie couldn't go into Weatherspoons without headphones on. Yeah, I remember you telling me this. I like this. Yeah, so like we gradually went from quiet Sunday mornings, and we now Jamie can go into a Weatherspoons on a Saturday morning, not a, an afternoon. Jamie would need headphones in, but a Saturday morning, maybe without headphones, and it's just been a, a gradual build up and exposing to different times of the day and limiting the amount of music that Jamie listens to at the time. Yeah. It just takes time and effort and perseverance. I think as well is this would work with younger kids. Well, not younger kids. I'd say like 12-year-olds. Is if you say you're going to go to shops and you're going to go do this and then you're going to do, do this and then you're going to go do this. If you threw one more step in there, a small one. Mm-hmm. Like let's say you walk by a jewelry shop and you want to go in. That's a small change that you can then build up to bigger changes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you do a small step, so if you say, we're going to cinema, what do you want to have? And they say popcorn. And you say, I'm going to get chocolate. And you get sweets as well. That's a change in routine, but it's such a small one that it's manageable. Yeah, I often think as well, if I put the more rewarding thing that we're doing at the end, then Jamie will do the things first. So if I suggest we go to the museum, Jamie loves the museum, but if Jamie didn't feel like going, that yeah. wouldn't bother. It, it's more the Weatherspoons. That's the that's the big yes. I want to go to Weatherspoons. So if I say let's go to a museum, and then Weatherspoons afterwards, we'll definitely get to the museum because Jamie's thinking I want to get to that Weatherspoons. Yeah. Where if we went to Weatherspoons first, after Weatherspoons, Jamie would be like, "Oh, I'm too tired for the museum now." But then, if you went, let's go to the museum, and you went, "Oh, I need to go to a shop," the idea of dangling Weatherspoons there. <laughs> That change then becomes easier because yeah. you're more focused on the reward than that change. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, if Jamie knows that there's weather spoons at the end of anything, it's easier to deal with everything that builds up to the weather spoon because Jamie knows that she's going to get 30 chicken nuggets and it's going to be amazing. I mean, the thing with the packaging as well, you could go, if you have the foresight to buy beforehand, you could go, here's a pack of your crisps and you have a packet with the different packaging on it so they have yeah. their packaging you have the new one they're seeing the new one but they're not affected by it directly yeah i've got a really good um speaking of weather spoons i've just got a really good awareness story that uh, happened to us years and years ago because weather spoons pretty much always have the same chicken nuggets yeah i remember and, this <laughs> yeah so we go to weather spoons at least once a week every sunday at the least it's jamie's favorite place in the world um, one of the only foods that we can rely on when Jamie won't eat anything else. So they ran out of nuggets from the supplier and had to get a different supplier. But because everybody at our Weatherspoons knows us, I got a Facebook message from the manager saying, just to let you know, we can't get the normal nuggets in. Feel free to come in and try the other ones, but we've had to use a different supplier. So then I said to Jamie, look, they're the wrong nuggets. 
and she's like, no, I don't want to go then. But as time's gone on, whenever they can't get those nuggets, I still get a message from, from the manager at Weatherspoons telling me that they've changed nuggets. And now Jamie's got older and understands more. She'll maybe say, well, I'll, I'll have 10 because Jamie always has 30 nuggets. She'll go and have 10 and try them and see if they're any better. And the last time she tried 10, she said, do you know what? They're okay. I couldn't eat 30, but yeah. they're not as horrible as originally they were. Yeah. But the awareness that Weatherspoons actually private messaged me on Facebook to tell, and also Weatherspoons are often out of certain products completely. If um, chicken bites go off the menu at any point, I'll get a message saying, we don't know if you're coming in with Jamie, but bites are off the menu. We'll yeah. send you a message back in. And I think that is fantastic. I, um, when I went to, do you remember two years ago, I said this last week, I'm repeating myself, when I went non-verbal at the awesome show? Yeah. So I ordered something that I didn't know came with chips, because on the menu it didn't say that came with chips. So I ordered extra chips. And because it was the autism show, when I complained and I typed it on my phone, they took the extra chips off the bill. I think oh, nice. as a whole, Wellishman's when I've been to certain ones, they tend to be quite good with like their awareness stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Wellishman's awesome. When we go in, they because they do a lot of uh, cancer charities. Yeah. Um, so they'll often have a bake sale if it's Halloween, Christmas, anything like that. They've got a bake sale, and we have a particular table that we sit at. And if they're doing a bake sale, it's usually near there, so they'll come over and say, "Look." We're putting out cakes and things. It might get a bit busy. Do you want to move tables? They're just like so considerate of yeah. everything. Or even the coffee machine was broken and the table that we prefer, I say we, Jamie prefers Jamie. it's next to the coffee machine. Yeah. And when that was broken, one of the girls came over and said, look, the coffee machine's broken. We've got maintenance coming in. Do you want to sit on a different table? And I just think that's so nice. Yeah. And, you know, that's it just makes me want to be a customer of theirs forever. Also, remind me to buy Jamie another voucher when we go to your autism show this year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I find the, the awareness and acceptance from Weatherspoons locally to us fantastic. They're just great. I think as well, because they have so many people coming through the doors and the way that Weatherspoons works is their employees are exposed to autism and FPD a lot more. Yeah. Like, compared to something like somewhere like McDonald's, for example. Yeah. Like, it's a different kind of atmosphere. Yeah, I definitely find Weatherspoon's a very inclusive place. So do I. Yeah, definitely. I love Weatherspoon's. Like, and I see, sometimes I'll see bad things put on Facebook about them. And I think you've got no idea. You've had one bad experience. Maybe your chicken burger wasn't cooked properly. But do you know what? Everybody has a bad day. But what they do for people with additional needs, I find amazing. Well, I can give you an example. So I went to one in London and the music was super loud. I went up to them and I was like, I've got my headphones on. It's still really loud, can turn down. They did. We went to yeah. um, a Mexican restaurant chain, which I love, I still go to, but their music was really loud. And I was actually with the party and they wouldn't turn the music out. Yeah, Even though everyone at the party was like, turn the music down and we end up leaving. Yeah, and actually that's another thing you've just reminded me. Another message that we get from Weatherspoons is because they play rugby matches. Yeah. So they'll send up when their rugby matches are on to avoid those times. But I think yeah. that's also because you guys have been going there for so long. 
Yeah, and I mean, we do. We go there all the time. We go to the same table. So when they get an order from table two and it's 30 chicken nuggets, they know that there's no sauce. It's 30 nuggets in a bowl. See, when I go... Two bottles of water. We don't need a glass. <laughs> I go to two places here quite a lot. And they know yeah. which tables I sit at because it's the furthest away from the speaker. Yeah. And if that table's gone, they know where else to sit me that's furthest away from the speaker. <laughs> That's great. They also know what I have. I walk in, they're like, are you going to have the same thing you always have? I'm like, yep. Yeah. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I'm trying to think. No, I think that's pretty much covered awareness. Oh, um, there was and then... One thing I wanted to say. Um, sorry, I'm going back. I meant to say this earlier and I forgot. So we talked about how police officers might not know that people are autistic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think I might get a lot of stick for this <laughs> from the community, but I really don't care. So I think it's important for autistic people to do their part in that and use stuff like the stuff like that Stickman figures. Is that her name? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, the AAA project that I mentioned who did those training videos um, in Cumbria, they do a, a card for people with autism. Yeah. So as long as you have proof of your diagnosis, you can get a card that you carry around and you show it if you're ever interviewed by the police or anything. Exactly. So that's the point. Yeah. If you're, yeah. I think Casper said this, didn't he? He went on a train yeah. and they had the badge and he'd forgot to pay his fare or something. And, yeah. and then the woman was like, oh, okay, pay it next week sort of thing. As long as yeah. you have something to show those people, they're more receptive. Yeah, I mean, I have an access card now, which I keep. I've never used it for anything really apart from getting carers in for free for like the cinema and stuff. But I think it's important to have it yeah. to yeah. show if needed. Because um, I was at the train station. It was actually um, when we had the big meeting in Dundee in January. Yeah. When I was coming back, I got off at Edinburgh Waverley. And that was just the biggest sensory nightmare I've experienced for a long time. I really needed the toilet, but the toilets were so busy. There was like a million hand dryers going off. So I went to the disabled toilet and there was a man with his daughter and she needed the toilet, but it was way too busy for him to let her go in on it, on her own. So I, I opened it with my key and I was like, go on, you go in. And then one of the staff came over to me and, and took me to another disabled toilet yeah. that was away from everybody. because They'd seen what I'd done. They realised I needed to use that toilet and they took me. And I always think it's important to have something to prove. You shouldn't have to prove, but to prove that I do need to use that toilet at that time. But even if it's not to prove, I think the point is, this happens with a lot of community, in inverted commas, marginalised communities. You yeah. can't expect everyone to know the signs of autism and to know that you're autistic. It's yeah. up to you to say, this is what I need. I'm wearing a badge to show you that, that when you interact with these, this is, these are my needs. Yeah. In the same so, way. I, that, that, I just want to give a big shout out to that guy at Edinburgh, Waverley, actually, because he, he had no idea. I just look like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing inverted commas here. I look normal. You know, you can't, you can't tell I need to go to the, the disabled toilet. So I think a big shout out to him. He clearly understood that I needed to go somewhere quiet. Yeah. So that was amazing. But yeah, I think the issue is, it's like, for example, I'm a graphic designer. 
if I don't tell anyone I'm a graphic designer, how am I going to get graphic design jobs? How are they going to know that I'm a graphic designer? Yeah. You can use that for, I'm autistic. I have certain needs. I have certain things that need to be done a certain way. Yeah. If I don't tell people that, they're not going to know. Yeah. So, yes, awareness is important for the general public, and the general public should be aware. But if they're not, it's also on you to go, this is what I need. Even if it's wearing a badge, or if you have a card. Sorry. Yeah, also, talking about awareness, um, I've written an autism awareness article for a local magazine that I do my book reviews for as well. Yeah. So that well, I'm doing my little part. Put some links to um, um, yeah. when we do the pack. I'm gonna add it into the pack as an extra part when we do the um, yeah. when we have the autism awareness knowledge pack thing. Yeah, cool. That'll be awesome. Because so yeah, it's not out until it's not out until. Um, until next month so i'll link it when we have it yes yeah link it when it's there but i'll put some links um here about things that we've talked about yep but yeah i think like that's the, it the i think we're done things. right but yeah i think yeah yeah i think we've covered awareness there so we'll um be back with acceptance next and maybe we'll have jenny joining us next week okay we'll have a yep. great day and then we'll have see you yep. later. i will talk to you soon Bye. Jamie's just walked in. Uh, Jamie's off school. Billy, do you want to just come and say hi? Hey. <laughs> Yo. Oh, your, your lips look swollen a little bit as well. Uh, right. Anyway, so we're going to go. We'll see you next week. Reverse Yo. I feel so bad. I'm trying to do a podcast. Reverse. Joel says reverse Yo. But um, I can't do one because my throat's killing me. Yeah, we'll get you some meds in a minute. Reverse Yo. Bye, everyone. Reverse. Bye. Hi, everyone. So um, that's the end of our awareness podcast. So what we're going to do now is just take 10 minutes to talk about what's going on in the world. So if you are wanting to avoid using information and you're a bit coroned out, then I suggest you switch off now. If not, we're just going to cover the um, main things that have happened this week and our thoughts and advice around them. So Lorraine, what's what's been happening? Schools are closed. Um... Yeah. Oh, there's so much going on. We haven't actually been put into lockdown, but I think if people don't take social isolation—I can't say the word—self-isolation seriously, we're going to be put into lockdown, and that has a lot of impact on people. Totally, yeah. So first of all, obviously, the, the schools is a big thing that it will affect you know a huge amount of people. We know that although the details aren't clear yet, schools are, are remaining open for those with key workers and those with educational healthcare plans. Um, so you will be contacted if you haven't already been to let you know that there'll be provision for your children if you fall into that category. Yeah, I think um, the important thing to remember there is only use this facility if you need it. Yes, so if you do have somebody else at home who's not in the at-risk group or over 70, um, say your husband or your wife or a partner yeah. then if they're able to look after your child and you don't need to send them into school then don't yeah I mean my husband is frontline staff and Jamie has an education healthcare plan technically that means I could send Jamie and Joe to school 
but I'm at home. And whilst it's going to be difficult, it's important that people that really need to send their kids in who have no other choice get those places. Yes. And it goes that that follows on to the whole what what is self-isolation, because what we're all trying to do is flatten this curve, take the pressure off the NHS. And there are some people in jobs that can't do that. So there'll be a handful of teachers, etc., that are having to go in to look after the people of NHS workers and key workers so that those people can go and do their job. But those teachers are also putting themselves at risk and their families at risk by being there. So the fewer people that we can have doing that, the better. Um, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I saw a really good thing on Facebook this morning uh, because there's been a lot of talk about schools have closed but kids are all still playing together and should they be playing together? And on Facebook it said, imagine you're at a playground and everything your child touches gets covered in glitter. Then every child that touches that gets covered in glitter. The glitter then goes into your car, it goes into your house. Everybody knows how difficult it is to get rid of glitter. Yes, and that was a, a visual way of thinking about about the virus. Basically, every time a child touches something on on the place, uh, the play area, another child will then touch that and take it home with them. Yeah, and it will be spread everywhere. And there's kids playing out, and there's older groups of teens that are still hanging around on the streets, and they're not keeping the right distance apart from each other. They should really just be at home, um, but they're not taking it seriously. They don't understand that if you imagine it as glitter some of that glitter is going to fall onto something that is then going to go into an old person or vulnerable person's house. Exactly. At some point. So it's it's as black and white as people's behaviour at the moment will kill or will help people survive. It's as simple as that. And if people were sensible and people did as they were asked, at the moment we can still go for walks, we can still go to the shops. There's a lot of things that we can still do, unlike a lot of other countries. But because people aren't self-isolating and they aren't social distancing, we're going to get locked down and we're going to have a lot of that taken away from us. Yes. So this is a plea from all of us. Please follow the guidelines. And the guidelines are really very simple. They're not they're not hard to understand. Whoever you live with is pretty much who you should be hanging with. And that's it. Yeah. So if you can avoid contact with anyone else outside of the people that you live with, then that's what you must do. The people that you live with, you could go out for a walk, but it should be places where there aren't really other people. And if you come across anybody else, you stay at least two metres apart. It's it's that simple. Our community is full of vulnerable people and people with underlying health conditions. And I want to protect all of those people. And I want everybody in the world to protect all of those people because our our community is so important. Yes. And we have seen an awful lot of good come out in the last week with things like Joe Wicks offering, you know, free PE teaching for kids at 9am and all sorts of other people get coming on and and doing live videos and social stuff on all the different platforms that can help keep children and ourselves occupied and entertained so there's lots of resources out there that you can take advantage of and we'll certainly be doing an awful lot of that in our community as well. Definitely there's there is so much positivity and I think it's important to look at the positives in this rather than just the negatives. Totally yeah. And there are a lot of positives. And the other thing that we, we were saying before we started this is that if you are at home with your children and they're off school, then stop putting yourself under pressure to be their teacher. They will be given work, etc. from home, but it doesn't mean you're properly homeschooling. These are unprecedented times and we all have to do the very best that we can do, but don't add to 
your own stress by putting yourself under undue pressure. Yeah, you can't sit there from nine till three and be expected to teach however many children you've got at home when you're not a teacher yourself. Do the work, do, you know, lots of other things in between. Yeah, that's it. And and they will be all right. <clears throat> and this will pass. Yeah. So any, anything else from this week that we need to add? Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of letters um, arriving from tomorrow for people that do have... Um, bad immune systems, low immunity, elder people. They said they were sending the letters out. They should start arriving by Tuesday. There'll be a lot of people in our community who receive these letters that tell them that they've got to self-isolate for 12 weeks. Yes, which is a very long time. It is a long time. I think try not to be scared. You're being asked to self-isolate for a reason, and that's why everybody else has to do their bit with social distancing to help these people that are going to be stuck for 12 weeks that can't go and get their shopping they can't go and do all the, the, little, the little things that we can. Yes, but all of those things will be taken care of by other people. And I, I think maybe instead of looking at it as 12 weeks, that's a long time, break it down into chunks, do a day at a time, a week at a time, and, and that, that time will pass and it will be checked off and we'll be out the other side before you know it. But try and not look at it as a whole big long stretch. Just decide what you're going to focus on for this week and make that as positive and as good as you can and we've got lots of things that we're planning at the moment to try and help so they'll be coming soon but i think the important thing is if you're stuck for 12 weeks self-isolating reach out for help ask for help because there's more good out there than there is bad around this when it totally. comes to people and help there's so many helpful people in the community if you need something ask and i'm pretty sure there's going to be somebody there to help yeah absolutely brilliant okay so we will um, probably continue to add these little snippets on at the end of our podcasts for the foreseeable, just to keep everybody up to date and give our community the kind of guidelines and recommendations that are being set out at the moment. But the main thing is stay safe, stay isolated, do your bit, and we will get through this. Okay, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available why not hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss us finally if you're not already a member of our fantastic facebook support group i suggest you go join it we'd love to see you in there there's loads of fantastic chat lots of peer-to-peer -peer support from people in the same boat as you so go and search on facebook for the chewy gem sensory support group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes speak to you then bye